back to another episode of the Teeing Off Golf Podcast. It is a beautiful Wednesday evening here in Chicago. I'm John Borneman uh, with Matt Harness. Uh, Matt, it's time to talk some golf. I know. We both played Monday, which also was a very nice day. Yeah, only my fourth round of the year, I believe. Uh, I think it was my fourth round, too. I, play, I played twice in Atlanta, once at Ivanhoe, which is hosting... The Rust Oleum Championship. Good plug. This week. And yeah, then Monday at uh, Wilmette Golf Club. It was a big match, sort of a, I think, four or five year rematch. Took that long to get the four of us back together. But uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, four times at June 6th is not that good. To be clear, we did not play together, and Matt has taken enough shots to be six rounds this year. That's not true, but <laughs> but you played at Exmoor Country yeah. Club. Yep, got got a chance to play at Exmoor Country Club. Now and, that you're a you know hot shot with the Western Golf Association, you get to play all these. Yeah, uh, I've played places. one free round as a member of the Evans Scholars Foundation. And I, uh, I must have so lost the invitation. Yeah, well, we sent it, but a little bit late. Yeah, right after we right after we teed off, I think. I'm still eligible for the Evans Scholarship. Well, did you make it down to media day for the BMW Championship? I did not. That was Monday. You don't travel? So I play golf Monday. (laughs) You could have played golf Monday at Crooked Stick in Indiana. You know what? I I could have. And Uh, this is why you don't get Evan Scholars Foundation invitations to play at Exmoor. To Patrick Donahue and Gary Holloway, the communications duo, did invite me down there. We're now a communications trio. Trio. Well, you're the Evan Scholar (laughs) Foundation. But they did invite me, but I, it ultimately was, yeah, just a little too much of a hike for free golf. Although, you know, I, I probably mentioned this before, Crooked Stick holds a somewhat of a special place. Not only John Daly went in his PGA Championship there, but I worked one summer in college on a house as a uh, brick mason laborer. That was right on Crooked Stick. I forget the whole... Really? Yeah. I did not know I that. had a friend that was from Indianapolis. You could have had a chance to hit a golf ball off the very house you helped build. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's right. I could have known the soft spots in the house. It was a lot of stone, actually, uh, lugging those things. Uh, I would very much take a lot of pleasure in tearing it down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I did, yeah, you're right. So I did pass up an opportunity to play free golf. The Western Golf Association is very generous. Um, but I, I will be playing in their uh, media day for the Western Am at Knollwood coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, that's that's coming up quick. Um, and what are we talking about today? We have uh, a couple of interviews, right? Well, Doug Gim. This is a Matt Harness-heavy podcast <laughs> because Matt uh, is now our roving reporter who uh, does most of our interviews. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of Matt, a lot of me asking Matt questions about things I don't know anything about. So to yeah to tease the the one sort of small soundbite is from Brad Hopfinger, a Lake Forest native, played college golf at Iowa. He's not a professional. He has Web.com tour status. He will be in the field at the Rust Oleum Championship this Which week. Which starts Thursday. Starts Thursday. Yeah, yeah it's a seventy-two hole event. Um, he uh, was out at Media Day, and so I, I spoke to him just briefly, uh, and then Doug Gim who is uh, from Arlington Heights, is a sophomore at Texas, well, just completed his sophomore season Mm -hmm. at Texas. Uh, They finished second at the NCAA uh, tournament, so spoke to him for... Very close second. Very close second, yeah. And and you'll listen to this. I mean, I I feel pretty passionately about, you know, some of the manner in which they lost. Uh, Bo Hostler, the best player in, in college who won the National Player of the Year, he had to withdraw before the match started uh, due to an injury. And because of NCAA rules, Texas was not allowed to sub in another player. So therefore, they uh, lost one match before the, it even started. So there's only five. You know, whoever wins, you know, three points wins. And Texas goes in down to no, or one nothing. So you know, I talked to Doug a little bit about that. Talked to him about his, uh, you know, his upcoming summer. He's of course going to be very busy with that, and you know, of course, looking forward yeah. to getting back. He's been, you know, two years uh, in college, both years. He's made it to the final eight um, at the 
NCAA tournament. So, yeah, talk to him for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, so that should be uh, hopefully yeah, worth a listen. I think, we'll, I think we'll get to that at the end of the podcast. That's how we'll sort of close things out. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk some college golf today, some some uh, some web.com tour. We're going to save most of the PGA Tour talk in the U.S. Open rapidly approaching. I think we'll save most of that for next week. I think we'll try to sit down again, which will be a huge accomplishment for us if we get two weeks in a row. Um, yeah, we've that's been um, a challenge given that, your status of <laughs> Western golf. My high status, yes. Uh, but let's start with the most immediate uh, thing, which is the web.com uh, tour event. What were your impressions of, uh, of Ivanhoe when you uh, were out there for media day? Yeah. I mean, I mean, first of all, it's a you know, beautiful property. It's, yep. It's in Mundelein, which is a Northwest suburb. You know, the, there's a little more rolling Hills, you know, rather than, you know, the, the North shore might be known for a little flatter. Chicago's a little flatter. Um, a little more rolling hills, uh, fun, a fun course. And I think it's not overly long. You know, I peeked back at, you know, tee boxes, like the back tee boxes. You know, when we were playing, I think we played maybe 6,500 yards. I'm guessing that maybe stretches to 7,000. I, I, I really think that these guys, if the weather is good, I know it's going to be hot. Uh, this weekend, but as long as the you know the wind isn't up, I mean these guys can I, I think really score at a place like this, which I think makes for a fun spectator experience. That you know the web.com is is a tour that's just below the the PGA Tour. Not a lot of big names, a lot of up and coming. You know, not a lot of big names. Major champion Ben, ben Curtis is going to be there. Ben Curtis is there. I, I I wonder if he still has the NFL sponsorships. Oh yeah, that would be interesting. Maybe he's wearing Bears gear this week. I doubt very much. It would be does. cool if he wore. If, if you do the NFL, it would be cool if he wore like a different jersey every round. A jersey? Yeah, like the first day he wears like a his, like an actual football. Yeah, jersey. or like a football uniform. <laughs> that would be terrible. That would actually be pretty cool. In the helmet, <laughs> that'd be awful. So it would not help his game. You know, for, so for people going out there, I, I think they're going to want, going to want to see birdies. And I, and I think this course is going to lend itself to that. In fact, I mean, there's some fairways that were so wide, even you could probably find them. Hey, now. There was one that was 100 yards wide. That's a good wide, singer. And I actually, I actually <laughs> missed it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm fairly straight. But, yeah, no, a fun, fun golf course. Some interesting holes there. You know, it's a par four that – you know, I heard talks of you know, scooching the the tee box up a bit to give the players a chance to go for it. Um, Brad Hopfinger, who actually played six holes with us on Media Day, I asked him. I said, "What do you think about you know that that par four that they're going to move up and give you guys a chance to go for it?" I was like, "That's that's kind of fun." And he said, "I will not go for it." He's like, "I'm going to hit it how the hole is supposed to be played." Oh, come on! Which that's I not think what the people are here to see. <laughs> Which you know, I mean, it's his job, and hey, you know, you don't want to tell people how to do their job. But for those guys, I mean, if they move it up, I mean, it can't be any more than a seven iron off the tee. <laughs> right. So I personally would never hit a seven iron off of a par four tee. Yeah. I'm not that good, but I still would never do that. Anyway, um, so I'm just quickly looking at some of the names here. Uh, Looks like a couple, a couple interesting guys, uh, and we probably already talked about this a little bit, but Ali Schneiderjans in the field, he uh, has definitely sniffed around the lead of a few PGA Tour events, including that British Open, I think, at St. Andrews not too long ago. On, on Sunday, he was, he was in the realm, um, and then he played you know, almost nearly one, I think, a couple weeks later after that. So he's Well, he almost, I mean, his big thing is he, he just missed... Getting his tour card, PGA tour card. So he's you know having to fight his way through the web.com, which you know he's in pretty good shape this year. So I mean he was a fantastic college player at Georgia Tech. I mean he was in that same peer group as Jordan Spieth, Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas. I mean these are names that you know kind of are uh, ones that you know of course people know about now. I mean and Schneider James was right there. Mm-hmm. I interviewed him before last year's Palmer Cup, 
and he just said that you know at the at the time those guys were leaving college and turning pro, he just felt like he wasn't ready. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, because you know he doesn't want to old guys, and he. He sort of fell behind, but now it seems like you know he's he's catching up. And yes, of course he doesn't oh, I wear thought a hat, he, and I'm sure that's his big problem. I thought you were going to say he doesn't wear a hat. He's interesting I mean, because he doesn't wear a hat. How much money are you losing out by not wearing a hat? Uh, well, I don't know how many fifty shampoo, grand a year. How many shampoo commercials is he going to be able to get? By the way, he was tied for twelfth at that British Open that I was talking about. Um, I'm more concerned about this hat thing because Thomas <laughs> Dietrich, who is a teammate of Nick Hardy's at Illinois. He's from Belgium. He doesn't wear a hat either. Yeah, but you get the hair care product sponsorship. Say, so, oh, Ollie, what do you wash your hair with, head and shoulders? Who asks, who, what kind of <laughs> creep media sports writer asks oh, they're out there. the players what shampoo you use? They're out there. <laughs> uh, other names, uh, Xander Schofle. Oh, I guess. Is that how you say the last name? You know, second place at the Western Am at Beverly. I he's if if you have you're looking for somebody to follow follow him super nice guy, uh, yeah no I, that's great I he's he'd be a guy I root for and so, a guy named Seamus Power which is a pretty sweet name that is a cool if name. nothing else but let's let's go through the locals Brad Hopfinger Lake Forest Vince India oh right Deerfield. Deerfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Shackner, excuse me, Michael, if I mispronounce your name. He is a member, I believe, at Ivanhoe, uh, also a web.com guy. And Nick Hardy from go. got a sponsor exemption. It's been a while um, since we talked about into, Nick Hardy podcast. <laughs> into this tournament. Uh, he, he will be playing as an amateur, but, I mean, a great experience. This, this will be his second event as a professional the first being last year's U.S. Open. His second professional event. Yes, correct. His second professional event. Last year he made the cut at the U.S. Open. This you know, will be his uh, first like sanctioned uh, PGA Tour event, which is great. I mean, he's going to – you know, he's a guy that has designs on becoming professional, so it's a good networking thing. If nothing else, he'll meet a lot of people um, out there. So I, I look forward – I'm going to go out there – for the second round, he's playing in the afternoon, so I'll go out there and watch him uh, play. And Hot Fingers is playing in the afternoon as well. Uh, Vince India is in the morning wave on Friday, as is Michael Shackner. So, but keep an eye on Nick Hardy. Hardy's probably coming off of a little bit of disappointment, uh, you know, from Illinois at the at the NCAA tournament. I mean, they they did well, but yeah, I mean, they did. Well. I, mean, I mean, match plays, you know, they've... it's. Not not him personally, but uh, you know, as a no, they team. This was a and you know he'd be the first to tell you it's you know it's NCAA title or bust, and they had a fantastic team. Uh, Thomas Dietrich, Charlie Danielson, podcast guest, uh, uh, you know Nick Hardy, Dylan Meyer, and I'm forgetting their fifth guy. But, I mean, a loaded lineup. I mean, they were in the top three. You know all year long and yeah I mean it's certainly a disappointment you know he this is something he wants when he has two more years and you know they'll be right back there right Uh, next year much like Texas will be probably back there again I I was a little disappointed that Georgia didn't make the uh, they Georgia didn't even make the 54 hole cut um, or excuse me 36 hole cut but I'm surprised they made the tournament they were on the top five. Right? <laughs> uh, but Nick Hardy, you know, somewhat soothed his disappointment there by he on Monday was all the U.S. Open sexual qualifiers. Maybe not all of them. Uh, most of them finished on Monday. Nick Hardy won his. He was the medalist at uh, Springfield Country Club in Springfield, Ohio. So he will be going back to the U.S. Open for a second consecutive year. That's really awesome. That, that was fun last year to watch him play. Oh, my God. Yeah. So and he's going to – I mean, Oakmont – is people say possibly the hardest golf course in the country. And in fact, I, Phil Mickelson uh, was there, I think, Monday and Tuesday, and he said, by far the hardest course we play. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, exaggerating. But I, I, and Jim Furyk said, it sort of feels like he's like hitting your hand with a hammer. He's like, that's about how it feels <laughs> playing. Oakmont. So, yeah, I mean, what a what an awesome 
opportunity for, you know, a guy who is halfway through his college career to, you know, be playing in his second U.S. Open. And, you know, if, if, if I haven't spoken to Nick. I've exchanged some text messages with him. But he's the kind of guy, he's like, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to tee it up with the thought that I'm going to win this thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, good for everything. He has a, two big weeks. I mean, he's playing a professional, two professional events in a row. Um, he also, uh, one of his teammates, we mentioned Charlie Danielson earlier this week, kind of like running through some news here, the John Deere Classic which is a favorite tournament of ours, issued six sponsor exemptions, Charlie Danielson being one of them. He's going to turn professional. Uh, Lee McCoy, Georgia. Jordan Niebrugge, who we've had on the podcast. Sure. John Rom, Rombo, yes, one of your Rombo. favorites. Yes, Bo Hostler, and then Aaron Wise, who That's was a good lineup of uh, sponsor exemptions. Sponsors exemptions, for sure. I mean, there's a, you know, maybe there's the next Jordan Spieth in that in that group. I mean, Aaron Wise, Oregon sophomore, who was the NCAA individual champion, and of course Oregon won the national championship as a team. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, of course, you know, anytime you get to June, you know, a lot of big-time golf is uh, on the horizon. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, uh, watch everything unfold. Well, as long as we're just running through random facts um, in a row here, uh, I want a quick shout-out to Mike Van Sickle, Marquette alum, uh, who just missed qualifying for the U.S. Open in a 3-for-2 playoff. But I think he's the first alternate, um, or one of the first alternates. And with Tiger officially out... They've already just, announced who's in. But that's just one more person who gets in. Right. And so now uh, he's got to be... Pretty soon, he might be getting that call. He said... He, Sounds like on Twitter he thinks like a 50-50 chance, which would be great for a guy I know who's been grinding, you know, since uh, since we both graduated from college. And if, if uh, other than the Marquette connection with you, I mean, he's the son of longtime Sports Illustrated writer Gary Bansinkle, who is a really good player in his, in his own right. But um, I don't think he's going to qualify for the U.S. Open. This year. Well, I was going to ask you, so, so while we're on the U.S. Open in Oakmont and, you know, Furyk and Mickelson, Daniel Berger... I think his quote was, if you don't hit it in the fairway, you're screwed. So that would be tough for you. What, uh, what's the hardest? And I know that I'm sort of throwing you this uh, curveball here. What's cold. the hardest golf course you've ever played? The hardest golf course I've ever played? I know you played Aaron Hills from like yeah, right. 80, okay, so that's that, that is, yards. So that's what I was going to say is there's a couple different levels of hard uh, – the golf course that I played where I least felt like I could think I was going to get a good score on a hole uh, was probably when we played Black Wolf Run for the Writers' Cup because I felt like even though we played it very, very short, probably like 6,300 yards, something like that, I felt like when we got around the greens, it, it was almost impossible. I, I couldn't really handle playing on those greens. Uh, that was tough, yeah. That, that was, I felt like, was really difficult. Um, but in terms of just pure toughness, Aaron Hills, because me and my idiot roommate from college got out there to play and decided that we were going to take it on from the tips, which is like 7,800 yards. Uh, to the oh, point I thought you were, said it was 8,000. No, no, it certainly wasn't 8,000. But you know, there's you not guys a lot. Didn't step back there, off the no, tee, back to there's the not a lot to block the wind out there. Uh, you know, my my buddy pured his drive on the first hole and watched it land in the fescue grass, like twenty yards short of the fairway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, you know, it was, that was the kind of situation where if you missed a fairway on a par four, you're hitting. Is three that wood. missing a fairway? No, no, not that. But like, if you hit it right or left on a par four, now all of a sudden you're hitting three wood from the rough <laughs> on a, bar on a four. par four. So you're you're looking at five best case scenario probably. And you hit it a long way. You hit it way farther than I did. I, yeah, I mean that's that is the most that's the most so difficult makes I, it was stupid to play from that long, right? I hit it far. I don't hit it far enough to play from seventy eight hundred yards. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't even – it wouldn't even be – I hate to say fair. I, I just – yeah, I mean, if your roommate couldn't reach a fairway, 
while he was in college, there's no way I'm reaching that fairway. But, I mean, the hardest course I've ever played was Butler National in Oak Brook. Which yeah, held but the you Western. played pretty well, didn't you? I did. I shot 77. We played from, I think they called the members' tees. It was like 6,900 yards. And that's far for me. Par 72. That's far for members. But they, you know, these. For, a guy, for guys to go out and. These guys, I mean, they're. against that 6,900 yards. From what I understand, time. they're all very good players and they sort of, you know, revel in this. This is our member team. Tees that they're 6,900 yards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, high rough. I mean, there was a par four, and I forget which hole it is, but it's like, I feel like it was 470 yards and it was straight uphill. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you miss the fairway, and the fairways or the rough is two inches thick, I mean, you just, you're chopping it out. And it's like that around the greens, and the greens were glassy. It was just a brutal test. And I, I joked with the, member who took me out there was very gracious to do that and I said even if I had the money and you invited me I would not want to play here all the time <laughs> it just wasn't it, it was fun right. but I could not imagine like going out there and doing that again the next day um, but yeah I mean that was it, it was just a very difficult test and you know and a lot of people say that if they were to admit a woman it could host the U.S. Open the following year. I mean, it's it's that type of golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're they're, they're not doing that. So. A little stubborn, and that's that. But we are so wildly off course here uh, because we were going to when we were talking about the Web dot com tour event, we were going to uh, splice in Brad Hopfinger, uh, and so we should do that right now. Um, instead of veering even farther off course. So before we go on to talk about uh, Doug Gim and a little more college golf, here is uh, local uh, Brad Hopfinger talking about the, the Web.com tour and the upcoming event, uh, Rust Oleum Championship at Ivanhoe. Well, so tell, explain to people, I mean, for someone like us that knows a lot about golf, explain to people how the level of talent and the competitiveness of the web.com tour. These are guys that can win right now on the PGA Tour. They just need that chance. For sure, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah, I think uh, a good story to relate to is Smiley Kaufman at this time, or, you know, about, about this time last year, had conditional status on web.com. In less than a year, he's playing the last group on Sunday at the Masters. So things happen very quick, and um, the level of talent's there. It's just you got to play well at the right times and, and ha- you know, kind of get a break and move along that way. So, I mean, the, ta- the, lo- the talent is there. I mean, there's tons, there's so many good players, and Smiley obviously, you know, struck when he could, and there's tons of other players that can are just waiting for the right opportunity. And and finally, to, to have a professional tournament that you're in around your hometown, what does this mean to you? I mean, what sort of you know, market does Chicago offer uh, the web.com? tournament i know they've had the bmw championship there's been tournaments in and out of chicago the encompass was at north shore but but for you to play here what does this mean to well, you i think for me personally it's just nice to have but you know i mean i i spend so much time traveling it's just a nice break for me to be home and be able to play an event at home and not have to go anywhere and pack my bags all that stuff but i think for chicago i think it's just great to you know the you know sometimes the bmw it's harder access to get to this is much you know much friendly and the level of golf is still you know, it's 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 phenomenal the level of golf. So I think it'll be a good chance for people to come see um, some of the best young players and people coming up through Chicago. Like get. a chance to see you before you get big time on the PGA Tour. That's the plan, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, what about this golf course? This is my first time out here. What what what, do, what can players expect from? So I I've played it once, so okay. this will be my <laughs> okay. second time. Um, but from what I, it's it's a phenomenal layout. How they set it up um, is really good. I think we'll see. You see. The the first nine is goes through more trees and stuff, and um, it'll be a little narrower and like you kind of have to hit some less off the tees, and then it kind of the back nine opens up a little more, and you'll see the wind play a bigger role and stuff like that. So I think you'll get a little bit of everything out here, which will tournament week. It all depends on what the weather's doing and which nine plays harder or vice versa. But the greens, everything is phenomenal. It'll be a great test of golf for everyone here. All right, great. Thank hey, you Brad, so much. Thanks, good to see you. Yeah, you too. Yeah. 
Okay, thanks to Brad for taking the time. Matt, uh, I think you were going to tell us where we can where we can watch the guys this week. Yeah, so the... If you're not going out to the course. If you're not going to go out there, uh, it will be on the Golf Channel uh, Thursday, Friday, 10.30 a.m. Central time to, to 12.30 p.m. Uh, Saturday, uh, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then Sunday, 8.30 uh, to 10:30 p.m. and you know the web.com tour has some events that are broadcasted, but this is uh, all four rounds will will be on TV and you know get a chance to watch uh, you know catch some of the locals uh, tee it up. I, I'm sure that you know a few of these guys will probably be featured. All right, well let's uh, let's hit some college golf uh, real quick, uh, Matt. You got to catch up with Doug Gim this week, which is great because we haven't talked to him in, in a while and. Uh, but he's doing great things in Texas. The second leading scorer uh, for them this year behind Bo Hostler and, and had a, a great sophomore season. No sophomore slump for him. No, I mean, I mean, he's a guy, you know, <laughs> mentioned Nick Hardy. I mean, they grew up together playing golf in uh, the Chicago area. But, yeah, I mean, sophomore season, he played in all 13 tournaments, seven top eights. And at the NCAA match play, he was 3-0. Uh, you know, he won his. He was the fifth guy in the lineup, and I thought that it would come down to his match uh, to determine, you know, the uh, the national championship. He won it, uh, but the fourth, I think, it was the fourth match, ended up going into extra holes, and, and that was the ultimate decider. But yeah, I mean, Doug had a terrific uh, sophomore year, and as I alluded to earlier, he's going to have a big uh, summer uh, ahead of him. And it was, yeah, it was good to catch up with him. And, of course, I had to ask him about, you know, Texas barbecue. Because it's become a, a uh, yeah, a podcast tradition to ask about. I guess we started by asking about your favorite restaurants on campus, and now you've just taken it to be where's the best barbecue. Well, he lives in Texas. or you know, Doesn't mean that the best the barbecue year. place is a, a, his favorite restaurant is a barbecue place. But, anyway, we don't want to spoil too much of the Doug Gim interview because we'll kick it to that in just a little bit. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament. I know Matt... At the risk of getting you off on a rant here, uh, you know, one of the, I'm not going to say the, the reason that, you know, Doug's match wasn't a decider, but one of the big reasons it, it wasn't a, a winning match for Texas is because they had already had to forfeit a point uh, because of an injury to Bo Hostler, their number one player. Uh, sort of strange, I don't know, I don't know if anyone knew this going into it, I certainly didn't, that uh, if a player is injured during the tournament, uh, for whatever reason, for or can't play for whatever reason, you cannot replace them. No, which sounds crazy to me. So in in college golf, you bring five guys to a tournament. They all play. You count the four best scores. Which so if if it was a regular stroke play event, Hoster's injury wouldn't be as big of a deal because he would just be the fifth score that you throw out. However. At the NCAA's, all five of your matches count. So by him being injured, you know, they're in a severe hole. You know, so it, it just seems like such a dumb rule that only the NCAA can come up with. It's like, fine, like in, in their reasoning, I think it's going to get changed in, in, if only for the NCAA. It's tournament. amazing that it would take something like this to bring it. To bring about that change. In, in, in Texas, to their credit, didn't complain, didn't make any excuses. They said, this is just the rules that we have to deal with it, which is great on, on behalf of them. And Oregon was probably looking at like, well, shoot, like what a great advantage we right. have. And But I would bet that at the beginning of the, the term, it's like, hey, we, we don't, there's going to be maybe a small asterisk. On this win, I mean, they didn't win all three matches on the golf course, and that's too bad because I bet Oregon would rather have won it outright with all five matches being played on the golf course. I do think it's going to get changed. Again. What was the justification? So the justification is is essentially money. It's like oh, then we add you bring six guys to a tournament, and then you have to pay for an extra plane ticket, extra meals on the road. Another kid is missing classes. I mean, it's it's ridiculous sure, logic. And the NCAA really, really cares. But about the other thing is, they don't play that many match play matches in the year. It's all stroke play. So again, if you have the odd injury, I mean, people don't get injured in golf all that often. 
where it's going to make a difference. But in the you know the NCAA match play, the the quarterfinals, all five of your players play. So why not are you not able to bring one more guy in case that happens? Like to have to forfeit a match on that stage, I think is it's embarrassing for the NCAA in my opinion. my 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 guess is that they reacted as well as they did because of the number of asinine rules that golf has and that just sometimes happens too sometimes a stupid thing happens to you yeah you just sure say, eh, whatever in and probably so and hey i mean you know it doesn't affect me personally but i you know, you, you sort of feel bad that i mean where else so it, to me you know i was on twitter i had a little bit of an exchange with one of my followers and he was sort of adamant like this is a good this is a rule that i is okay it's like what do you think is wrong with it it would be like playing the, a national championship football game your quarterback gets hurt and like sorry that was the yeah. lineup you submitted i don't understand why under that logic the ncaa allows backup players to come to the ncaa tournament games why shouldn't they just be at home in class being students <laughs> I mean, it, it, why, 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 why wouldn't you just play five on five basketball and someone gets hurt? You play five on four. Somebody else gets hurt. You play five on that's three. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it just defies common sense, which, you know, unfortunately is sort of the NCAA's calling card. I, I mean, I couldn't believe I'm, I'm sitting here watching and they're talking about Hostler might not be able to play. I mean, the best player in the country. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, clearly Texas has a guy that, you know, they'd rather Hostler play, but the guy they plug in. And then they're saying, well, Texas is having to concede a match. And I'm like, what? It was <laughs> and you know just it must be baffling. A, you know it must be a serious a serious thing. He didn't he didn't play and I think he he didn't play in his US Open qualifier. I mean it's it must be a Oh he's having know, uh he tore his labrum, so, so he's having surgery. Labrum, so yeah, I mean it's not a just a well I prefer not to play kind of thing. Right. So like I, I I sprained my ankle. I don't feel like walking. I mean, it was a legitimate injury, you know, and he's going to be out, I think, for four or five months, you know, pushing back what I think, you know, is the start of his pro career. You assume he would, yeah, you assume he's going to turn pro very soon. So it, it's a, it was a head scratcher. Uh, I, so I do think that they will change the rule to allow the quarterfinalists to bring, you know, an extra player or, or at least, you can bring an extra player if you make the, the national championship. There are 30 teams. You can't use that sixth guy, you know, sub, sub in and out in stroke play. But when you get to the quarterfinals and now it's match play and all five matches count, if somebody were to get hurt, you can, you know, sub a guy in. It just, I mean, it just, just makes, makes sense. sense. It just makes sense. I mean, to me. it's just this, in the spirit of competition to, to lose a point. For no fault of your own, I just think is it's it's simply unfair. It's just unfair. So I'm Doug Gim was not nearly as passionate as, as I. You'll, I yeah, you'll, as you'll, you'll hear, hear what Doug has to say, and it, and, it, and it makes sense. I mean, hey, you know, he's the one that's on the ground. They're part of that. I know they had a lot of discussions among their team, and you know, he has his own opinion, and that's that's totally fine, and I and I respect it. Me as a spectator, I'm watching. I was. Upset, uh, and I, I didn't care if Texas won. I didn't care if Oregon won. I just sort of wanted all five guys to play. Mm-hmm. You know, or all ten guys to play. Well, let's uh, let's kick it to to Doug Gim here because uh, we're getting toward the end of our time. Um, we'll go with Doug Gim, who Matt caught up with shortly after the uh, the NCAA tournament. Is that right? You can nod your head. This that is, is pod- right. This is a podcast. That is we record the audio for podcast. Your head nodding doesn't do anything. That is correct. Okay, there you go. All right, so here's Doug Gim. So tell me, I mean, how fun of an experience was it last week in Oregon? You know, minus you know the the, the shortfall of not winning the national title. I mean, was this something that you'll remember for the rest of your life? Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't just call it last week I would probably have to say the last two seasons um, traveling with the guys has, has been an incredible journey um, but last week I think it's probably the most fun I ever had just 
just being with four other guys that, that wanted to win a national championship just as bad as I did, along with coaches and and a bunch of support from back in Austin. Um, it was an incredible it was an incredible week. Um, we had some incredible moments and uh, even though we did lose, um, it's definitely a week I'll never forget. I love that, you know, the last, at least the last two years, it, it, maybe it's been, you know what, I'm sorry, maybe maybe three years, I remember when watching Alabama with a national title on TV, how, that, it, that it's on the Golf Channel, I mean, th- does that make it, did it, did it feel like more of a big deal to you and the guys that, you know, th- you know these rounds were broadcast on the Golf Channel, did it give it, you know, just sort of... You know, make it more special, or did you even consider that? Um, well, for me, it's hard to compare because my freshman year and the only two national championships that I have played in, they were both broadcasted on Golf Channel. So I, I don't know how it would have felt without Golf Channel um, per se. But I mean, speaking on behalf of my teammates and I, I, I didn't think it needed to feel any bigger. Because uh, just just having a chance at a national championship and how important it was to to our coach, how important it was to each and one of us and, and to our school, um, that's that's as much an incentive that we needed. Uh, but it, Golf Channel definitely made it a really cool experience. I mean, not every day can you be on live, prime time television, but um, I think just the thrill of competing for a national championship was, was good enough. Do you? Uh, I, I I saw your at least your dad um, there. Did you have anybody recording recording the cut the the coverage? And if so, have you been, have you watched it, or is it still too um, soon? My my mom and dad actually came to Eugene with me, so uh, I I did not have the opportunity to to record it. Um, but I, I did watch the semifinals on TV with. Scotty, who was my roommate for the week in the hotel, so we saw a little bit of uh, the coverage against USC. Um, I have not seen anything from or when we played Oregon. Uh, it's actually broadcasting tonight, I believe. So I think I'll catch a glimpse of it. Well, I, I gotta ask. So I, I was dumbfounded, probably like a lot of people were when you know, Bo Hostler you know has that injury in the semifinals. There was, you know, he ends up not playing, and then you know we're wondering, or I'm wondering aloud, you know, why can't you guys sub anybody in? And and of course you you go back and there's an NCAA rule about you know that the five guys you bring or the five guys you have. And I know your coach, you know, at least what I read seemed to do a very good job of saying, you know, look, it's out of our control. You know, let's just go out there and play. And I mean, heck, I mean, you guys almost won. I mean, you're down one nothing, you know, by no fault of your own, and you almost pull this thing off. What was the feeling like going into that, you know, championship match, being down one nothing? I mean, what's the mindset? Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's difficult knowing that um, you're down a point. Not only are you down a guy, but you're down a point. Um, it, it seemed, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to explain. It, just, it was uh, a feeling of, like, we got your back, though. I mean, we we had confidence in ourselves. We all played basketball tournaments on our own individually. And, you know, the the objective was simple. You, you beat your guy. And, and we move on, and we, we win the national championship. And we, we've all been in elimination rounds before, so it's not like we were new to the pressure. But, uh, yeah, it was difficult going in and, and having all this media attention about whether Bo and I would, would play or not. And uh, But at the end of the day, he's going into it, you know, one-on-one, each guy knew that, each other matches are going to be important, and we did the best we could. And unfortunately, it was just short. But I think that we did a great job in handling the situation. And 
Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly would would say you guys did you know sh- exhibit a lot of grace and class. You know, not making any excuses, just saying, hey, you know, this was the hand you know we're dealt. But now going forward, I mean, there's now talk uh, that this rule might change. If nothing more, for at least for the national tournament, would you be in favor of you know a rule change where a guy gets injured, you would be allowed to sub somebody in? Um. I'm not. I don't. I don't really know um, how to answer that question, or if I'm in a position to answer that question. But um, I mean, it is what it is. If they change the rule, that's cool. If they don't, that's fine too. Um, like Coach said in the press conference after after the, the finals, it's just like if you if you try to make a rule for every single situation, I mean, there's going to be like a million new rules. You just you know, it was a circumstance where no one could really have predicted and and default NCAA for a rule. It's kinda of hard it's kinda of hard to pinpoint. And even if you do try to find a solution, like how how do you how do you create a good one that's solid, that that makes everyone happy? Like I, I don't really know what the solution is, but um, I mean the rule is what it is and whatever they decide is, is good with me. I mean well, you all have a young. I was looking at the roster. I mean, you have a youngish team. Uh, I know there's talk of Bo Bo Hostler might might be turning pro, but I mean, you have a lot of guys back with with eligibility. I mean, are you looking? I know it's it's still early, and you have a you know big summer ahead of you. But are you are you taking some extra motivation into this off season? You know, given that you came so close to winning a national title, and you will have guys possibly back. You know, with that experience, are you looking forward? Uh, this is what I'm saying. Are you looking forward to the the you know your junior season? Absolutely. Um, like last year, when we when we lost to USC in the quarterfinal, um, it, it was it was also a pretty bitter feeling to to leave um, concession um, not victorious, and the ride home was pretty painful. Um, and so this time around, as you can imagine, it, it was that magnitude, and it was it was worse. It was magnified, um, and yeah, we'll be definitely more motivated this off season, this summer. Um, Scotty qualified for the U.S. Open this morning, which is great, and we're very happy for him. Um, Bo winning the Haskins Award. Um, so we have a lot of good things going our way. Um, yeah, it was a it was a bitter defeat, but I have every confidence that we'll be competing next year at Richardis. So what? Uh, yeah, and, and right, it would it be you know somewhat of a home game, you know, for you, uh, you know, at least in the Chicago orbit. But what will you be working on uh, this summer? I mean, and where will you spend most of your time when you come back? Are you back in the Chicago area now? Yeah, I actually am back in town today. Uh, just came back from Ohio for the U.S. Right. Infectional Qualifying. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be home, or at least based out of home, uh, playing a couple of tur- amateur tournaments um, throughout the summer. But, uh, yeah, just trying to stay competitive, um, trying to compete for, for a lot of these, these prestigious amateur events, and, and hopefully... Uh, when when the Western Amateur and the U.S. Amateur comes around, that game is in So that so what are some of the the big ones you mentioned? The Western Amateur, which will be at Knollwood in Lake Forest. So you're mm-hmm. you're you're in that one. Yeah. And then you'll be. Uh, we'll be playing. And then what are what are some of the other big ones uh, that you'll be? Um, the Sunny Hana Amateur uh, is okay. next for me, um, and then after that. Um, we're playing back-to-back weeks, so I'll be going to the Northeast Am in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, and then I'll be playing the Trans uh, Miss Amateur Championship, I think, in Olympic Club in July. And then the Western Am and hopefully the U.S. Amateur. Okay. Well, and just back to what, you know, I, I look at me, you had an outstanding sophomore season you know, at, at Texas, well, what parts of your game are you identifying 
that you know maybe need a, a tweak or two. I mean, or if if there's anything, it will just be you know just improving what what you're already doing well. Will you be working on anything specifically this summer with your game? Um, I mean, obviously there are. You definitely are never um, uh, completely satisfied in any fast food game, and and especially this game of golf. Um, but like throughout the sophomore season, I've seen a, a vast improvement in in my driving, my ball striking. So that that has been nice. Um, I just like to see. Maybe a little bit more success on the greens and maybe with the wedges. Uh, hopefully, I feel that if I can come a little bit sharper around the greens and on the greens, I think that I'll have uh, some success this summer and hopefully into my junior season. And, and just sort of lastly, I mean, how, so you're now halfway through college. How is just being a college kid? Been, I, I know. I mean, golf is a big, a big part of it. But I mean, what are you studying? Are you enjoying? I mean, Austin's a great city. I mean, how, how are you enjoying your? How have you enjoyed your two years um, at the University of Texas? Uh, school has been fun. Um, it's been busy as you could imagine uh, with golf, as you said. But uh, it, it is a lot of fun. Uh, freshman year was was kind of a blur. Um, didn't, didn't get to do much, was just trying to feel, feel my way through the town. But that was sophomore year was a little bit more enjoyable, I think. Um, you know, traveling with, with four other guys, that's a lot of fun. And, and finally starting to really bond with them was, was really cool. Um, like last week in Oregon, I feel that our bonds got even stronger, which was fun. Um, and for exploring the town of Austin, I uh, still haven't really gotten around to, to have the time for that. <laughs> it seems that uh, just studying for exams and, and writing papers and trying to fit golf in somewhere along the way is, is already time-consuming. So, um, But, um, you know, going into these last few years, going to do my best to, to try to enjoy it as much as I can because I know that this time is pretty pretty precious and it'll be gone before I know it. Well, I mean, some people know me. I'm a huge fan of barbecue, and you're right there in sort of the capital of barbecue. Do you have a favorite place? Is not Franklin's Barbecue? Is that in Austin? Yeah, I think so. Um, You've not been there? I have not. (laughs) I've been to a couple of good places, um, but some of them not as famous as others. Uh, but I think, I mean, I'm sure Mr. Crenshaw would agree with me. Salt Lake is probably the uh, probably the fan favorite uh, locally. Uh, I know that he catered it during during Augusta during his Champions Dinner. So, uh, oh wow! If that if that's not a good endorsement for the restaurant, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Well, Doug. Well, hey. Well, well thanks uh, so much for the time, and I will be out at the Western Amateur um, in, uh, later this summer and very much uh, look forward to, uh, to seeing you out there. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks, Doug. Have, have a great summer. Okay, thanks to Doug Gim for, uh, for taking the time to talk to Matt Harness. I know that's never easy. Uh, Matt, anything on NCAA golf before we move on? Well, I, I just wanted to mention that you know, you'll get uh, locals will get a chance to see you hope Doug Yim and Nick Hardy next year where when the NCAA national tournament is being played at Rich Harvest Farms. If either of those guys are not there, it would be a monumental upset. So sure. you're right. For sure. Uh, all right, let's let's run through some we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up real quick here, but uh, let's run through a few odds and ends. Uh wanna give credit to our former colleague. Would would you still be a colleague if you don't work at the same company? Not, maybe not. I don't know. Teddy Greenstein, Chicago Tribune, uh, for some news that uh, that he heard from a source uh, deal to bring the 2018 uh, Senior Players Championship to Exmoor, the very course I saw on uh, on Monday. Presuming they'll play it at longer than the 6,400 yards uh, that we played it, but it was uh, you know a really nice course, kind of a classic. I mean, it was established in, I don't know, uh, like, you know, 
around the turn of the century, 1896 or something like that. I'm going to say Bernhard Lager wins. 1896, founded, redesigned by Donald Ross in 1915. Old school test. I I compared it before we got onto the the podcast here of of North Shore, which is that, you know, it's not so difficult uh, if you keep it in the fairway and sort of play it the way it's designed. Uh, but you know, if you start getting a little wayward, it can it can definitely penalize you. Uh, the greens were immaculate, uh, so it was definitely out of out of that type of mold. Um, and yeah, Bernhard Langer will probably win it. It'll be nice to see uh, 2018 if they're still letting uh, John Daly play how how he does out there. Yeah, that's <laughs> someone made that comment because I had heard the same thing. Someone made that comment. Oh, it'll be fun to see John Daly. I said, if he's still allowed on tour, <laughs> two years from two years is a long time for him. <laughs> he does wear out his welcome pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's that's cool. I mean, Chicago, you know, should have big time tournaments. Um, so the Encompass was here, you know, through 2015. I think, it, you know, so the senior tour will probably take a couple years off from the Chicago area and then back in 18. Yeah, no, that's great. That's what do you got, news. Matt? You got anything else? Well, just, just lastly, non golf related, although, uh, she does play golf. My wife, Jenny <laughs> is, uh, this weekend, Saturday, riding a, her bike it was part of the Cycle for a Cure. It's part of the Henry Schuler 41 and 9 Foundation. It's a 90-mile bike ride from Northwestern's Rhinefield to Milwaukee, and it raises money uh, for cancer research. And you can, you know, it'd be, it'd be great if, you know, you just went to the website and just looked. It's, it's for a, a terrific cause. It's a, a fantastic family. Uh, it's cycleforacure.rallybound.org. Um, I will be uh, following all the riders up uh, in my. You're car. not riding this year. I am not. I did Didn't it. Two you year, ride two years. I ago? did it okay. two years ago, and I realized that I am not a bike rider. <laughs> um, that was 80 miles, and that was. I could have told you before you did that. <laughs> too many for me, but it's yeah. It's a. It's like I said. It's for a great cause, and um, so I'll be sort of a support team if. Uh, Anybody needs to stop or needs water or beer or whatever. I'll have all that sort of stuff. In sure, that's what they need midway through a 90-mile <laughs> bike ride is a beer. But, uh, uh, but certainly a worthwhile cause, so that's pretty cool. Good for Jenny. Um, and real Well, quick, I want to ask you, when when are we going to get on the sailboat? I'm, we're looking out at the window here, and it's I see about 20 sailboats. Well, nobody cares about that, but we've only had about five days that are even what I would consider decent sailing weather. That's not uh, – Matt's referring to my – my girlfriend's father, who has a boat, who and he recently completed a sail across the Atlantic, which is pretty impressive. That so is, he'll impressive. sail in any type of weather. I need it to be calm and warm, so, so like we can me drink for a, golf. We can drink a beer. Yeah, if you can't drink a beer comfortably on deck, then I'm I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm staying on land. I'd probably be with you. On I'm that. staying on land. But uh, real quick before we go, this is you know we're doing this on Wednesday night, so it'll be Thursday morning before we get this out. But who you got tonight, Warriors or Cavs? Cavs. That's the stupidest bet you'll ever make. Uh, and I'll cut the end of this podcast off if uh, <laughs> if the Warriors lose tonight. But uh, that's it for this week's Teeing Off Golf Podcast. Uh, I'm John Borman for Matt Harness, and we'll talk to you next time.